SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Scumbags! Let's rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Will cross continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between, including the DJs. Oh, we're doing it, man. It's like being back in college. If we actually, like, actually went to college and and um, <laughs> you know, we were pulling like all-nighters. That's the thing, though. Huh? You know, when we, you know, I think a lot of us gamblers when we were younger. We wouldn't study on a Friday night. It's like the, it's funny how you get older is the opposite. I am Gabriel Morancy, and I'm getting the opposite. We get older. I still like loud music, though. But think about it, it's true. Like, you know, when I was younger, Friday night, man, I was out there. I was out in the bars. I was like going to shows. I'm, you know, partying, you know, living it up, living it up. Now, and I was not studying, right? Trust me, I was not studying. Now you get older, it's like Friday night, man. You know, overnight, you're like, what are you doing? You're going out, you're doing this? It's like, nah, man, what are you guys, crazy? Nah, man, I'm eating, I'm eating a pizza and I'm, I'm crunching numbers. I'm going over all the games for the weekend. And it, it really is overwhelming, isn't it, with the college board because you don't want to, like, after the fact, there's so many games, and we get caught up in some of these games sometimes. And and then after the fact, you're like, oh, God, I don't know why I didn't bet that. Oh, I knew that would happen, you know what I mean? So you really got to take the time and go through all the games. But, man, there's just so many games to go through. But that's what we're here for. We've already got a bunch of bets in already that we've told you about. Obviously, you've been listening to the show. You know we like the LSU Tigers uh, this week against the UCLA uh, Bruins. One thing that we've noticed, and I'm going to ride this theme throughout the weekend, is I think that the mismatches are mismatches for real. I think I think that we're in an era right now where college coaches can't worry about being cool and be about being uh, a nice guy. Uh, you know, everyone's got such a short attention span. Everybody flips if you don't cover and pressure's on right away. So where I'm going with this is I think there will be a lot of blowouts still. I think there will be a lot of blowouts still. And one of the blowouts that we talk about a lot is the San Diego State game. New Mexico State are that bad, guys. Like, New Mexico State are that bad. They shouldn't be playing D1 football. They got pasted in the spring league in the FCS stuff, man. Now they got to play the San Diego State Aztecs? Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. I am Gable Brentsy. It's the Friday Night Freak Show. And speaking of our AM radio affiliates, the Mightier 1090 is one of them. San Diego, SoCal, in the house, Los Angeles. We'll get into the USC Trojan game. 
It's funny because Trojan fans that listen to this show probably think, dear God, this guy never shuts up about the UCLA Bruins. And you know what? That San Jose State Spartan USC game is, is an intriguing one, isn't it? And you know what? My bad. Although it's not my bad because we are going to get to it. We didn't forget about it. We didn't forget about it. I just want to say, though, I'm fired up and I'm excited for the San Diego State game because New Mexico State are this bad. They they really are that bad. These guys got drilled in the in the spring in this spring season. You know, like they're not they're not D one caliber right now. It's almost Bishop Gorman like. All right, it, it really is. It's it, you know I hate to put it in those terms. I'm not trying to pick on these kids, but. You know, so Jonah Johnson, their quarterback, and he's a good young quarterback, this kid, but he completed 8 of 24 passes for 82 yards. They're not going to be able to run the ball on San Diego State. And as I said, I know the Aztecs. We're not talking about the Houston Cougars with Andre Ware. They're not going to put up 84 points, but they don't have to. You know, they don't have to. Right, the UTEP the UTEP miners went into New Mexico State and held them to a field goal. I would be I would be very surprised if New Mexico State scored. Which would make you think, well man, let's pull the trigger on the under. And we've had success, a lot of success so far this year in college football, identifying the high totals in which one of the teams are is they're too terrible to score enough to actually make it go over the number, right? Fresno State and UConn was that way, and Bowling Green, Bowling Green, and Tennessee was that way. And I have to wonder about uh, UMass, UMass and Pittsburgh. You know, Pittsburgh are laying a boatload of points. They're up to 38 points, 39 points, whatever, you know. There's a lot of points to be laid. And I sort of, I I got Pittsburgh on my list here. I didn't pull the trigger yet. I'm not going to do it because it's too many points. What I am going to do instead is I'm going to pull the trigger on the under because I don't think UMass will be able to score that much. The late night anger management class continues. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe O'Brien. We're throwing it down. All right, we got Mike Blewett for one more segment. So I'll shut up. I'll keep my big mouth shut, and I'll throw some games at him here. Mike, it's not a top 25 matchup between uh, these teams, but it's a game that I actually, it's one of those deals. It's like, man, if you could pick one game to watch, which one it would it be? I'm, I'm fascinated by this LSU-UCLA game on Saturday night. Yep. Uh, first, the pageantry and the scenery of the Rose Bowl on a Saturday night would be beautiful. The uniforms of LSU-UCLA, this is college football. You know, we got the South, you know, going into the West. UCLA coming off their big win against Hawaii, but... It is just Hawaii. And did you know Chip Kelly, bro, is 0-6 against non-conference opponents before that game? So that's like that's the feather in their cap yeah. uh, that they beat Hawaii. And now <laughs> suddenly people are like talking about this game like it's a pick'em or something. Like two and a half. Like, like, and like you said, I think it's a great point you said. 
the odds makers in week one in college football seem to line the games from last year. Come on. Come on. What do you think about this one? Yeah. LSU or UCLA? So clearly LSU, the more talented team. I thought UCLA got off to a good start, took care of business against Hawaii. The one advantage you would have here as UCLA, other than it being a home game, is it is an 8.30 p.m. game, right? So it is going to be late, uh, pl- late players playing late at night. But we're not in the middle of the season either, Gabe. This is yeah, their no first fatigue. game. Exactly. They're setting their schedule by this first game. It's not like they played a bunch of noon games and are now going to a night game. So I think they'll be ready to go here, interested in seeing Max Johnson on the road. But you really make a good point about them going out there. It's going to be an awesome scene. I'm sure there'll be tons of LSU fans there, but it is it is unique that an SEC team would travel west of the Mississippi to open up the season, especially that far west of the Mississippi. Doesn't happen very often. Georgia almost never does it, but good on LSU to do a home-and-home home like this, and I, I think they'll get the W here. Like I said, take advantage of the early lines that are not adjusted properly. I think LSU is considerably better, and I, I don't mind laying two and a half. I'll tell you what, let's give credit to the Pac-12. Um, you know, the Pac-12 has been criticized. Obviously, they had a great run in, yeah. in, the, in, in the NCAA tournament, right? but sure. look, the Ducks, who are they playing? Ohio State. Yeah. And they, they've got a series going. It's pretty clear that the Pac-12 said to themselves, if we're going to be in the mix with all these other teams, we better start playing them. Yeah, I, I like, think they need like, to back off their nine-game schedule and open it up a little bit more. But I was watching the Hawaii-UCLA game last week. They showed the next sort of 10 years of out-of-conference games for UCLA, and they're not ducking people. Teams get criticized a lot because there's not a lot of flexibility in these out-of-conference games, but LSU, right. they're playing Notre Dame. They got oh, they got Big Ten teams on the schedule. They're not ducking anybody. They just can't play them all in one season. You know, I explained to this. We were talking about this the other night, and I explained to people in the chat because people were some some sort of casual, casual college football fans were asking, how is it that these teams are even allowed to play some of these teams, right? Like in some of these, like basically we're talking about Tennessee and Bowling Green, yeah. right? It's like, well, why, you know, like, or people will criticize, you know, in Alabama even. Well, look, when they play playing, Western Carolina. Yeah, yeah they play in Western Carolina, they're playing the Citadel. Really, yeah. why? Like mm-hmm. you're just wasting everyone's time. Mm-hmm. No, they're actually keeping the Citadel and Western Carolina's program alive. That's right. Give them like 400 grand. It's, it's good for everybody. Here's a big check for you guys. Pay for your uniforms and your swim team, and we get an automatic win and sort of a a week off this week where we can play our backups and rest some of our injured guys. So it, it's good for everybody. The system actually works. And I think like this this alliance stuff, that's the danger. I've never been worried, Mike, about the NILs and all this stuff, but the alliance stuff, because you don't have any room anymore in your schedule. Because it will box you're out like, a group yeah. of five teams. You're like, it will dude, box we're out playing the all the Big Ten yeah. teams already, but now we got to deal. We got to play. We got to play UCLA. We got to play two Pac-12 teams, and we got to play an ACC team. Sorry, Western Michigan, we can't play you anymore. That's right. I was going to say Akron. Talk to the Big House anymore. That's right. Akron and Ball State and yeah, and yeah, Buffalo yeah. and those teams can't get a game. Uh, yeah. Sun Belt teams can't get a game that they desperately need to help their budget. So it is tough. The alliance w- would have a huge impact on the group of five teams. All right, I'm calling. We got to call some sort of upset here. I'm going to call one. I don't know if it's money line though, but I think the uh, the Cajuns can go into Austin and give uh, Texas all they can handle here, man. A lot of kids transferred, um, so a lot of kids transferred. You've got a new quarterback, redshirt fresh and uh, frosh and in Hudson Card. Listen, the running back's a beast. I'm not going to dispute this, but Bijan, dude, yeah. but dude, this Louisiana team, and I'm not talking about LSU. I mean, they beat Iowa State. 
I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're loaded. They got 21 and 22 guys back, bro. They, this is a football team with a chip on their shoulder. They can play. They can play. This isn't a reach to think that they can play with the Longhorns. Uh, I agree with you, and I, I do like the Sark hire. Kyle Flood, his offensive coordinator, comes with him from Alabama, and I think they're going to be pointed in the right direction. You're right about B. John Robinson, but you are asking them to play a real, legit, ranked team right out of the gate. When you are still in year one trying to point things in the right direction. You know how this stuff works, Gabe. You mentioned guys transferring out. They're trying to bring transfers in. It takes a year plus for you to really have the guys that you want on the team set up. You'll see it even after this season. Guys will transfer out. They'll bring more guys in. It takes a couple of years to turn these rosters over. It's not easy to step in and just start beating ranked teams week one. Uh, good luck to Texas, but I sure as hell wouldn't be laying eight and a half with them. I'll, I'll take the Raging Cajuns here plus eight and a half. I'm going to be on the underdog as well. And what was your pick? So what are you going to do with that Penn State and Wisconsin? Are you going to take the points? Or you think I'm going Wisconsin to take the points. Wins? Sorry, I like Wisconsin to win a close yeah. one. I'll take the points at Penn State. All right. You ready, uh, Boston College and uh, Colgate? Oh, yeah, buddy. Let's go. Let's go. Nine and three. Go Eagles. Is Colgate's football team as good as their basketball team? <laughs> I don't know. Is that, a, is that a pejorative or is that a compliment? I'm not really Yeah, sure. I don't know exactly. It's kind of one of those deals where they were supposed to be good. Supposed to be good uh, in basketball. So what what game um, what game didn't I bring up that you're betting on that you like uh, that you want to share with us this week? So I think uh, I'm really really curious to watch. You know, we always have these games. Where we're trying to keep an eye on one team that we like going into the year. But based on Fresno having a game under their belt and just destroying UConn, I really am curious to see what that game looks like when they go up to Oregon. I have designs on Oregon potentially being a good team, but we have a relatively an experienced but relatively unproven quarterback in Anthony Brown going for Oregon. It's a good way to start out. They get a Saturday afternoon home game, but against a Fresno team that put up 45 points and destroyed their opponent last week. Would you want to lay three touchdowns there? Is Fresno got enough momentum to pull off an early season upset against a quarterback that hasn't played much for the Ducks? He's a former BC transfer, but hasn't really played much for Oregon. Is that a spot where Mario Cristobal's team can get upended early? Probably not. It's a big enough spread, but that's one I'll keep my eye on that maybe not everybody's looking at. Mike, we got about a minute left here. There's two games, so I'll throw these at you. Yeah. And, you know, I'm just, I love college football. So there's, okay. you know, it's straight, sort of like on NFL Sundays, you know, you'll end up watching one of the most random games when there's oh, all these other games on. You're right? like, all right, Jags, Jets. Oh, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, exactly. You actually want to watch goal. it. You're into it. I don't know. One of the games that I really like this weekend, just I'm fascinated by Kansas State and Stanford. And what about West Virginia and Maryland? I was looking at that one, too. That's a border war game. Yeah, what do you think of that one? I think the Terps could be live here. I know West Virginia are better, but we know. Listen, Loxley's recruited the hell out of this thing. He's got cool uniforms and good players. And he's got two his brother. Can he win? (laughs) So what's fascinating about this, too, you can never call it a look-ahead game because it's a season opener. But you know West Virginia plays next week? Long Island University. The Sharks, a brand-new Division I team. They know that they've got a layup next week. They're probably already thinking about the momentum that we're, we're going to have. We're going to be 2-0. and we got this border war game. We'll get this out of the way. We'll roll up 75 points on Long Island University, and we'll be off to the races. But we know that West Virginia, they like to muddy up some games. They don't play pretty football games. And in a game like this, I'm with you. I think I'll be watching this one. I, I would probably lean towards Maryland because – They're a home dog, so why not take that early in the season? And you're right. They're going to have talented players there. 
And we like the quarterback. We've seen him play already. He's put up some nice games. So let's go with a home dog. That's my favorite guy team to bet on. Home underdog border war game. You know, I love LAU basketball. Made a lot of money betting the overs over the years. Uh, on, they had to change their name. It was the Blackbirds. Now it's the Sharks. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't mind it. Sharknado. Mike Blue at Sports Grid. Thanks, Mike. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The Late Night Anger Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Marenzi, Sirius XM, Channel 204. Let's do this thing. Sports Grid Radio Network. It's the Friday Night Freak Show. And the countdown and the wait is over. We're talking college football. And uh, you know what? Man, uh, we've got a lot of games to get to. We're trying to squeeze as many games in as we possibly can. So I'm going to talk really fast. And let me share some of the D-Gen picks that I'm playing uh, with you. Not just some of the big games, but... You know, this actually is a pretty big game because it's actually a top 25 game, but it's worthy. You've heard me talk about this on a couple of occasions and sort of throw it out there as far as upsets uh, this week. And I do think it's a very chalky week, all right? So to throw it out there, I got Clemson to beat Georgia. I got Clemson on the money line. Um, uh, We'll get to Alabama, Miami in a moment. Um, We're going to get, you know we love LSU against UCLA, money line. Give me Penn State plus the points against uh, Wisconsin. And here's one plus the points as well. The number's been bouncing around from 7.5 to 8.5 to 9.5 to 9 to 8.5. So depending on when and where you bet it uh, type of deal. But I don't care. I like the points either way. The Raging Cajuns. The Raging Cajuns going to Austin to take on the Texas Longhorns. And... So Steve Starkeesian makes his debut. Coach Sark's a good coach, man. This guy's been around the block a couple of times, and I do believe in his offenses. I think he can relate to kids as well. I think the players will like him enough, and I think he'll be able to recruit well uh, there. Listen, Texas have gone through a lot of coaches that seemingly are the next big thing, right? You know, from, you know, Charlie Strong went there, and then, you know, people love Tom Herman, and Tom Herman's like the AT, you know, the guy was an ATS machine, right? And it's funny, you know, you're the guy until you're not the guy in football, right? As Randy Cross once said. Um, we got to get Randy on the show, a big fan of Randy Cross. So, Sarkeesian goes in here, and it's not like he's inheriting a bad situation, really. Texas do have a ton of good players. They have good recruits. They got a ton of money. They got the facilities. They've got everything in place. And even though Sark's offense is, you know, it's a little tricky. So I think Sarkeesian is smart enough, or he's not he's not an ego maniac enough to say, oh, you know what? I'm just gonna make these kids try to learn this playbook. And if it doesn't work, I'll blame the kids. I think he'll manage. He's got a young quarterback, obviously, um, in in Hudson Card, uh, starting for Texas. They have a great running back, all right? Listen, B. John Robinson is a beast at running back. But the thing is, the Raging Cajuns, this isn't your typical, like, you know what I mean? This isn't a paycheck game for these kids. The Raging Cajuns are a top 25 team. Think about that. There's five top 25 games this week, and LSU and UCLA is not one of them. This actually is. I don't know how in Texas, but Texas are overhyped. Raging Cajuns returned 21 starters. Uh, the Texas Longhorns had 14 players transfer, all right, when Herman left and when we got canned and they brought in Sarkeesian. There is a big, big turnover there. You got a young quarterback. 
The Texas offensive line is stacked, and they have a great ground uh, game. they got a great running back in Robinson. So Texas is going to try to run the football, and they should have some success running the football. But it doesn't mean that the Ragin' Cajuns aren't going to be able to move the ball. Let's remember, they beat Iowa State. People think Iowa State are this great, you know what I mean? The Ragin' Cajun offense put up over 423 yards a game. They've got everybody back except for two running backs. They lost their two running backs. They had two two starting running backs, you know, two guys, specifically Elijah Mitchell. But and no disrespect to these two guys, but you know, running backs, you can replace them. It's college. Their offense is loaded. Right? Like um, you know, Lewis Lewis threw for nineteen touchdowns and twenty two hundred yards. And you know what I really like about this, too? We, you know, you're going to hear a lot of people talk about Billy Napier. This guy's been offered jobs before, right? Like, he could leave if he wants, but he likes it. He, he makes some money there. He likes it. He's in a good spot. The Raging Cajuns have covered seven straight um, seven straight games versus um, non-Sunbelt opponents. You know, you think, oh, Sunbelt team. No, no, they feast like they love playing on against other teams. The Raging Cajuns are also 9-4-1 against the spread as an underdog since 2018. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we got ourselves a live dog here with the Raging Cajuns. I think Texas are going to have their hands full. I can see Texas winning this game on a field goal or losing the game on a field goal. I'm telling you, mark my I'm betting. I, I, listen, guys, there's so many games out there. If I'm talking about it, it means I'm betting it. So I'm taking a Raging Cajuns plus the points. I won't. I'm not betting on the money line. There's too many games to bet, and I can't bet on everything. But I'll just be happy to cash that. Give me the. Give me the. Uh, give me. Give me the points. You know, give me that plus nine or whatever you can get. Hail to the victor, Wolverine. So um, the Michigan Wolverines. You know, there's so much negativity all the time about Harbaugh. Yet the fact of the matter is, they do have a lot of players there, guys. You know, two years ago, Michigan sent 13 kids to the National Football League on one team. It hasn't come together. Quarterback play has been a problem. Cade McNamara will get the call at quarterback uh, for the Mason Blue in Ann Arbor. You know, laying about 16 and a half points here, give or take, uh, depending on the, uh, the late moves. And, you know, I this is a game that I would imagine that a lot of people – are sort of going to bypass. You know, listen, I'm not saying Michigan or Alabama. I'm not saying Michigan are one of these powers that, oh, yeah, yeah, they're going to roll. They're going to kill these guys. But one thing with Harbaugh is Harbaugh doesn't lose to teams that, like, he's, like, you know, Michigan really haven't been upset that much. You know, Michigan State have beaten them a couple of annoying times. Harbaugh's problem is, he doesn't win games that he's not supposed to win. Like Harbaugh's record as a favorite is good. It's when Harbaugh is an underdog, it's like, guys, can you ever step up? Can you ever, like, you know, surprise us? And the answer is usually no. But all you need to know is Harbaugh is 7-1 and one against the spread as non-conference chalk if laying 18 or less points. Western Michigan, you know, they had a nice season a couple of years ago. It's a decent program. 
It's a decent program, but Michigan are five and zero straight up and against the spread against these guys. You know, the five games they've won by an average of like thirty seven points. The Michigan Wolverines do get the Washington Huskies uh, next week. Man, it's a big time game for both programs. But you know, if you're Michigan, it actually matters this game. Like it actually, it actually does matter. You know what I'm saying? In a sense that uh, if you just sort of squeeze by Western Michigan and it's ugly, then I tell you what, man, the Coyotes and the Wolfpack are going to be out. They're going to, you know, they're going to be coming for Harbaugh. Harbaugh got a ton of praise, man, years ago. So that's what happens. They'll build you up, but they'll tear you down too. And so if you're Michigan. And you're Harbaugh. Good coaching would mean you you got to smash these guys. You got to smash these guys. You can't have you can't give anybody in the media a reason anywhere nationally, locally, or globally, or in space a reason to write anything bad about you. Come out, smash them, and people say, oh, "Wow, you know what? Michigan looked pretty good, man." But hey, it was only against Western Michigan. Right, but you know, like Michigan are in a no-win situation. If they roll them, no one's going to give them credit. And if it's closer, you know, or God, you know, if they lose, then oh man. Well, if they lose, Harbaugh is fired. He'll pre- he would step. I don't know if he'd quit, but you know what I'm saying. I don't want to be too extreme and drastic, but because they they just did give him an extension. He took less money, so I don't want to say. Oh, but let's just be real. There's pressure on Harbaugh. Anybody that thinks otherwise is delusional. And and it's funny because I'm not one of these guys that has been that every all oh, that ne- if Harbaugh doesn't win the next game, he's fired type of thing. I told people, chill out. That's not the case. But obviously against Western Michigan, you gotta you gotta win this game. And then, you know, big, big game. But if if they look good, it's very similar to UCLA. It's the same it was the same point spread even. You know what I mean? It was very similar. Can UCLA handle their business, look good, and set up the hype for the LSU game? And it worked. And it worked. Right? They won. They covered. And now everyone thinks UCLA are going to beat LSU. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, people are kind of like they're – they have short attention spans. And they're idiots. So, like, if you're Michigan and you look really good – then there's no negativity. And then you get ready for Washington. I'm laying the points with the Michigan Wolverines. Laying the points with the Michigan Wolverines. I'm going to lay the points with Cincinnati. Miami of Ohio at Cincinnati. Here's another one in which the Cincinnati Bearcats, they'll run the score up on you. Like, they don't hold back. They won't hold back. And and it's a, this is the problem with the flawed system that we have in college football. And not no system's ever going to be perfect, but... Cincinnati don't have a choice but to kill you. They really are judged by their scores because their schedule isn't going to be all as tough. But the thing is, people don't want to play them. So it's like a catch-22. But I do think Cincinnati will roll Miami, Ohio. I think the Pittsburgh Panthers are going to smoke UMass. Yeah, we'll lay, we'll lay to 38 points. And um, I think that game will squeeze under the number. It'll squeeze under the number because I don't I don't think that uh, UMass are going to be able to score. UMass might score a touchdown or a field goal, but they're not scoring like multiple anything. 
The only thing multiple is going to happen is they're going to have multiple penalties, and the Pittsburgh Panthers will score multiple touchdowns in like every quarter. <laughs> Brian Racky joins us next. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The late-night anger Maxwell Kraft continues, as does the countdown to kickoff. And anybody who's been tuning into our program all week knows how fired up we are for this LSU-UCLA game. There's just something about this matchup that I find so, so intriguing. Uh, you know, you look at the pageantry of the programs, the scenery of the Rose Bowl, and an ultra-stacked LSU team looking to bounce back. Now, let's let's talk to the man who's going to be doing the game. Play-by-play voice, Westwood One uh, Radio, Ryan Radke uh, joins us. Ryan, it's always a pleasure, my man. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. How you doing? I'm doing, Gabe. Uh, I'm doing great, Gabe. How are you? Hey, we're excited, Ryan. Always a pleasure. Thanks for joining us. So, I tell you what, there's a lot of flashy games and sexy games on the board uh, this week. Five top 25 matchups, and ironically enough, this isn't one of them, but man, it doesn't get much flashier than this game. I'm really excited. We saw UCLA open their season up with an impressive win last week against Hawaii, and we know LSU have a chip on their shoulder. Talk to me about the football game. Yeah, I mean, you talked about some of the factors, the pageantry and everything else that goes into it, two brand-name teams, uh, you know, Pac-12, SEC. But, you know, beyond that, I think it's really interesting that, you know, you have a UCLA team that for the last three years under Chip Kelly has really struggled, last four years, really. Uh, They have not found the kind of success they thought they would have when they brought Kelly into Westwood. They come into this year saying, hey, this is by far our best team. And then they go out and, and granted, against an overmatched Hawaii team, looked really good uh, in the opener, which has a lot of people thinking, all right, maybe this could be a dark horse team. On the other side, you go from LSU at the mountaintop in 19, winning the national championship, to really falling off big time last year. They dropped to 5-5, five and five, lost a lot of players, a bunch of guys opt out. This year, they completely turned the coaching staff over. They feel like you know they got so many guys back from that team a year ago, guys that got great experience, especially at the end of the year. They feel like they're going to be really good. And then they run into the tragedy this week with the hurricane and having to be moved out. And now they've been operating out of Houston. Uh, and you just wonder what kind of effect that might have on them. But uh, it, it's very interesting on both sides to see how this thing is, is going to go. And I'm really looking forward to it. And obviously it's trivial, and we hope um, and we, we hope everyone's safe, and we wish everybody the best, so it is trivial to ask, but how much did it affect them logistically uh, coming into this football game? Like, as far as travel, and how much did it change their plans, as, as far as you know? Well, you know, I mean, obviously LSU's going to say it was no big deal, everything was great, no problem at all, but, you know, I think anytime you have to uproot, I mean, coaches are, are such creatures of habit, right? That's why they practice at the same time every day. The charter leaves at the same time every week. Meal time is always exactly the same. They like the routine. And when you have something like this, that routine gets disrupted. So as much as they say it has no effect at all, I'm sure it has an effect. And at the same time, you know, for a team like LSU, there's a lot of Louisiana kids on that team. It's not like they just have kids from, you know, all over the country. Certainly they recruit the entire country, but they have a lot of kids that are from the state of Louisiana. And so while some of these kids are leaving, mom and dad, sisters, brothers, uncles, aunts, whatever it might be, they're back home riding out the storm. I'm sure some of them probably still don't have power, as we've seen what's going on down there. So you have to think that there's some distraction there, obviously, as you're thinking about family and 
trying to make sure that, that everybody is okay and, and everybody is safe. I think it has to play into it somewhat. Now, how much? We probably won't know that until the game is over Saturday, but I think it has to be a factor no matter what they're going to tell you. LSU quarterback uh, Max Johnson, obviously not a household name, uh, but he did throw eight touchdowns and just one interception. The offense, despite all the adversity last year, and they had a ton of it. Um, they had COVID adversity. Um, they had players you know, uh, decide to sit out. And oh yeah, by the way, they did have 14 players drafted in the National Football League draft. You mentioned the coaching uh, turnover, and Coach Orgeron really believes uh, that the defense will get right back on track. And hard for me not not to give him the benefit of the doubt, but before I ask you about the defense, when you looked and you're breaking down, when you, you did your research and your prep work uh, for this game, what did you come up with uh, with Max Johnson? Because, hey, he's got, you know, physically, he's a big kid, he's got a strong arm, and he put up big numbers. Not a lot of people talk about him, or people wonder about the quarterback position uh, in Baton Rouge, and I think they're in, they're in fine hands with Max. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Gabe, I was really impressed uh, watching him. I went back and watched the two games that he started at the end of last year. His very first start is against Florida in the swamp. I mean, that's a tough place to go for your first career start. And he looks so poised throughout that game. Now, certainly he had some struggles like any first-time starter on the road would. But uh, he, it, you never thought, like, the moment was too big or he was getting overwhelmed. He was very calm, thought he did a great job in that game. And then he comes back in the season finale against Ole Miss and was terrific against them and, and put up great numbers. So, yeah, I think, you know, while, while they would love to have Miles Brennan there and they would have loved to have had a, a competition throughout camp, I think they feel really good about where Johnson is coming into this season based on the way that he finished last year. I think the thing for LSU's offense, if LSU is going to get back to that elite level, they got to be able to run the ball. I mean, Joe Burrow was great in 19, and we know about all the weapons he had, Chase and Marshall, on and on down the line. I mean, they were unbelievable throwing the ball. But they also had Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, a 1,000-yard rusher in the backfield. Last year, they were 109th in the country running the football, barely over 120 yards a game. I think if they're going to get back to that level, they have to reestablish that running game to go along with Johnson in the passing game they're going to have. Westwood One uh, Radio's Ryan Radke uh, with us. When I look at the football game, I think pretty much the key, and I guess, I don't know, I guess every football game you could say the thing, same thing, that football games are won and lost in the trenches. But to, to me, that's the big matchup. How does how does UCLA match up against that extremely experienced uh, defensive line of the LSU Tigers when when you and your colleagues um, did your, your game prep and break, the, break down this game? What what did you guys identify as the, the matchups and the keys to the football game? Well, I think for sure the one you just talked about right there, it's UCLA's offensive line against LSU's defensive front. Uh, LSU feels like they're going to be terrific up front. They, they feel like they're super talented there. And on the other side with UCLA, you know, for all the talk about Chip Kelly and the flash and the speed of the offense, what Chip Kelly wants to do is run the football. They've run for 200 or more yards in five of their last seven games. If you look at when Kelly had success at Oregon, they always had that great running attack. That's what they want to do. You look at the game against Hawaii last week, Dorian Thompson-Robinson did not play that well. He was 10 of 20, 130 yards, but they ran it extremely well. If they're going to beat teams like LSU, they're going to have to be able to run the ball. Now, maybe not run for 240, 250, but they're going to have to have that consistent running game. So I don't think there's any doubt that's a huge matchup. And I know UCLA, you know, they like their backfield. Britton Brown and Zach Charbonnet, both those guys looked really good last week. I think those guys are going to be big keys for UCLA, not just in this game against LSU, but if they are going to surprise people in the Pac-12, they're going to need those guys running behind that offensive line 
to help out DTR and the rest of that offense. All right, we got a couple of minutes uh, left, and I've really enjoyed talking uh, football with Ryan Radke. So I'm a Buffalo Bill fan, so I know how good Trey White is. And I know how good – listen, if you look at the NFL guys and you look at players produced in the National Football League, Alabama um, obviously are at the forefront. Clemson have sprinkled some players in. Ohio State really have been there. I mean, like four of the last five rookies of the year have been Ohio State Buckeyes. But LSU just have blue-chip, top-tier talent – and what did you guys see when you talk about Derek Stingley Jr.? Because this kid's as good as they come. Yeah, we had a lot of Stingley's games two years ago uh, when he was a true freshman. And he came in with a lot of hype, and he lived up to every bit of it. I mean, six interceptions uh, as a true freshman. I did the SEC championship game uh, in 19 when they just completely overwhelmed Georgia. He had an interception in that game. I think Stingley is phenomenal. Now, he's been a little beat up. Hasn't practiced a lot. They are saying that he's going to play against LSU. He got banged up a little bit last year. So maybe that's the one question with him. Can he stay healthy? But, man, when he is on the field, he completely disrupts. And then you get Eli Ricks on the other side, who had to play a lot uh, last year, maybe a little bit more than uh, they would have liked him to as a true freshman. But he got tremendous experience. He has four picks last year, third-team All-American, freshman All-American. Uh, and a guy that you know is going to be fired up for this game, he's from Rancho Cucamonga. He played at Modern Day before he ended up transferring to, to IMG Academy in Florida to finish up. Those two guys on paper are the best cornerback duo in college football. And so uh, watching not just Stingley, but Ricks on the other side, man, that, that's going to be a nightmare for opposing offensive coordinators to try to find space to throw if those two guys are healthy and on the field. Ryan, before we get you out of here, you spent um, over a decade uh, in Arizona uh, working on with the with the Wildcats and and doing games and and different sports. So you know the Pac-12 inside out. And I've been saying if the Pac-12 and I would actually like them to see them do this. I think at this point, like why not? But go public, um, and I would invest. So I was saying if the Pac-12 was a stock. I would buy in right now. I like the direction of this conference. I like the I like the move with the new commissioner. I like his his business and his his background, the entertainment gaming background uh, that he sees the big picture. Um, I like the schedule that I see now of Pac-12 teams playing LSU, uh, playing the Ohio State Buckeyes. I think basketball is is a is a gold mine and a and a diamond in the rough to begin with. But I think this is a positive time for the Pac-12 uh, right now. I'm excited for the Pac-12 future you've been around the conference a while we're seeing the changing landscape right now we don't really know too much about this alliance yet what what are your thoughts on the pac-12 moving forward and where they stand right now because i think it's an exciting time well gabe i I hope you're right as somebody who not only worked at arizona but went to arizona graduated from there i hope you're right i hope the pac-12 is on uh the upswing certainly they have some some issues to overcome uh, the television deal they have has been, I'm sorry, it's been a disaster. I mean, yeah. people around the country can't see. We can't be playing it, yeah. yeah. We can't yeah. be playing at noon and stuff. You can't have teams rolling out at night in the morning, right, Ryan? There's a no. lot of little things like this, yeah. No, and, and I understand it. Look, I get it when you're saying, hey, let's try something new. I'm fine with that. But long term, that's, that's not going to work. And look, I think we all understand this. Until the Pac-12 is consistently in the conversation with the college football playoff, they're going to have a problem. I mean, that's the one thing that comes up every single time. You know, the SEC, we know the SEC is going to be in every year. The only question is, will it be one or two SEC teams that are in? <laughs> yeah, Meanwhile, yeah. the Pac-12, they're just not even in the conversation. So they need to get in the conversation basketball-wise. You know, obviously what UCLA did last year, 
UCLA brings a lot of eyes to the conference. They were fun to watch. Mick Cronin's done a great job there. Arizona's got to figure out their issues. Uh, they've got to get out of this mess that they're in uh, because if UCLA and Arizona get back to the top of the league, I think that's going to be good uh, for the Pac-12 overall. I hope you're right. I hope they're moving in the, the right direction. I'm excited to see what the new commissioner does. They're going to have some decisions to make here in the next couple of years. So hopefully they are on the right track and, and moving back up, so to speak, among the, the uh, conference hierarchy. Right, we got less than a minute left, but man, uh, you know, as you know, unfortunately, as you and I both know, as uh, as we get older, time seems to go by faster as well, right? But I'm thinking, man, it feels like it was lifetimes ago that the Washington Huskies were in the college football playoff and hanging around with Alabama, I might add, right? They were hanging around in that football game. It feels like a lifetime ago, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it, it does. I remember watching that game. I think it was in Pittsburgh, uh, getting ready for a Steelers-Browns game, and it does it like it was 15 <laughs> years ago, and it really wasn't. So hopefully, you know, Washington, Oregon, whoever it might be, some of these teams can, can get back up there and be in that conversation again, because that's what the conference really needs. All right, 30 seconds before we get you out of I'm a Bills fan. Man, is this our year? I'm almost thinking, wow, this is this is, this is pretty good. And I know why I hate this, because no MVP in the league's ever won the Super Bowl before. And I think Josh Allen could be the MVP, Ryan. 30 seconds on the way out. I'm fired up for the NFL, buddy. Re- really good team. I saw them at the end of last year in Denver. A fun team to watch. They have all of the, the tools that they need. Uh, I think they're definitely one of those teams to – to keep an eye on this year. Uh, there, there's some, some fun offenses, some fun quarterbacks to watch. I would put Buffalo right in there uh, with any of those other teams you want to name, especially on the AFC side of, of uh, teams that are, are, are certainly fun to watch on Sundays. Uh, Ryan, I look forward to hearing your work throughout the season. I look forward to catching up with you down the road. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us. All right, Gabe, my pleasure. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Oh, yeah. We're into the three-minute warning right now. The quickest 180 minutes in sports talk radio. I am Gable Morancy. It's level two. We're throwing it down. Sirius XM Channel 204. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates. And shout out and thank you very much to Ryan Ratke uh, for joining us on the program. Smooth play-by-play uh, voice and pipes uh, that he has. And a great uh, does a great job with the Westwood One Radio Network. always been a fan of Westwood One and, uh, and the job that they do with the games. Remember in the old days, you know, even like before the internet and stuff, man, like, Younger people don't, you know, you take everything for granted, but used to be a big deal, you know, to get the game on the radio, right? It was like, and it, they did, it was like you were there. Yeah, it's, it's almost criminal to say as somebody that like, you know, lives and breathes radio, uh, like I do, it's almost criminal to say how long it's been since I've heard, um, a, uh, a baseball broadcast on the radio. You know, it's like, it's just, it's not, you know, I'm in studios all the time. I'm doing shows all the time. I'm watching the games, right? But I'm getting the, the television feeds, right? I'm not like, oh, yeah, I'm going to turn the sound down and listen to the radio. But, you know, sports on radio is still great. And that's say talk radio is great of all formats. Just radio is great, but sports still works on the radio. And Westwood One does a great job uh, with it. It's going to be a beautiful scene, right? Yeah, to me, you just can't beat it. You know what's really funny, though, and it's, it's crazy because when you see the Rose Bowl on television, especially like the Rose Bowl, the game itself, right? 
And it's like, it's, and everybody, most people are in cold weather places. And they, they go to Pasadena and it's like a dream. It's like, oh my God, look how nice it is there. And these people are in t-shirts and it's the Rose Bowl and the field looks perfect. And the, the, the mountains in the background are beautiful. Everything's just beautiful, right? In reality, the place is a flea market. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that's, that's what it is normally. Like, there's a couple of games there. You know, it's in the middle of nowhere, and there's like a flea market in the parking lot all the time. Like, that's that's basically, you know. So it's just funny, like, the reality and the perception on TV. It is nice on TV, right? But <laughs> not as seen on TV. The late-night anger match will cross continues. Bring it.